This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. everyone, I'm Jill Rappaport and welcome to Rappaport to the Rescue. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to talk about an event I held at my own ranch this weekend. It veers off pets a little, but yes, I dealt with pet adoption at the event and we'll get to that. But it was such a cool event. I can't wait to tell you listeners about it. I literally turned my ranch into a drive-in movie theater and I was the host thanks to the wonderful Andrew Saffer, who throws these incredible events. But I hosted Ron Howard's new movie, Rebuilding Paradise. Now, as you know, Ron Howard, incredible actor, director, filmmaker, Oscar winner. And this movie was about the amazing, incredible, tragic wildfires in Paradise, California, that literally took away the whole town. And this was about the rebuilding of the community, how they came together to come back to life, to rebuild their homes, their families. And again, getting to the animals, so much beautiful wildlife, so many domestic animals were displaced or lost forever. So it was held here at my ranch. My riding ring literally turned into what I call the new version of the red car pit, P-I-T. I had all my friends, we had celebrities here, unbelievable people drive in to watch this movie. And of course, being the proud pet parent to six rescues, I had to tie it into animal rescue in the Hamptons. And we had a beautiful pit bull by the name of Jada, 10 years young, who was looking for a home. We had her up for adoption in front of these amazing people. And the wonderful Animal Rescue Fund of the Hamptons is doing so much to try to help animals in need during these challenging times. So I hope you don't mind me sharing what happened at my house this weekend. It was very exciting. We had incredible people there. And just to see my riding ring, like a parking lot of these cars and this huge screen set up, it literally took the crew 17 hours to set up this event and the screen. And I'm looking out the window now, and they're still two days later dismantling it. So I hope it's the beginning of many events to come because let's face it, we can't go to movies now. We can't go to theaters now. So if I can lend my home to these incredible events, bravo. And I'm also talking about animal rescue and having animals up for adoption. So it's a win-win for me and everybody in the community. Now, when we come back, talk about a win-win. We have the incredible singer, songwriter, Grammy winner, Emmy Lou Harris with us. Stay tuned. This is Pet Life Radio, the possumous pet party place on the planet. Dude, that's a lot of peas, baby. Yeah. Get ready for some tail wagging. Fur flying, feather flapping fun. Oh, yeah. PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Rappaport to the Rescue. I'm Jill Rappaport, and I am so excited to introduce you to our next guest, who really needs no introduction because she is a legend, American singer, songwriter, and musician. She has, over the course of her incredible career, won 14 Grammy Awards, the Polar Music Prize, 
and inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. She is the one and only Emmy Lou Harris. Emmy Lou, I am so happy to have you here, my beloved animal advocate. I had the pleasure and the honor of being in your home. I got to meet your beloved mother. I've seen all your animals, and I am so thrilled to have you on Rappaport to the Rescue. Thank you for having me and so that we can talk about our great love, which is animals, especially dogs. Exactly. And for those of you who don't know, Emmy is very involved and started the wonderful Bonaparte's Retreat. This is an incredible organization. And Emmy, the last time I saw you, you were, of course, on my show, Best in Shelter for NBC. But the last time I actually physically saw you was when I came to your home in Nashville and you had your backyard set up as sort of a its own animal adoption yeah. center. It's a very small rescue in my backyard that I called Bonaparte's Retreat after the dog that traveled with me for 10 years, Bonaparte. In his honor and his memory, I realized I had this big backyard and uh, I could have a small rescue. We only do four dogs at a time on the property, although we've over the years, we started in 2004, we have some wonderful fosters, especially for small dogs because we're not set up for small dogs in my yard. And also dogs that we pull a lot of dogs that need sometimes expensive surgeries, but they'll be as good as new after that's done. And uh, they recover sometimes in the foster homes. So we're small but mighty, I like to say. And, you know, I did the story on this whole operation for the Today Show. And I think we had people, you know, coming in, driving up. And I think that your fans, people in the area... They were amazed to see that they could actually drive up to Emmy Lou Harris's personal home, meet her, go into the backyard, and hopefully take home a fur angel in need. Right. Well, you know, Nashville is kind of, all of us in Nashville, all of us musicians, everyone is a songwriter or an artist, it seems, in Nashville. And, you know, we're kind of out there all the time, whether it's at the grocery store or the post office or whatever. Right now, it's just the grocery store, I think. (laughs) Right. Tell me about the challenges that this horrible pandemic has presented, not only for you as a human being, but as an artist and as an animal welfare advocate. Well, as an artist, obviously, all, all my shows that I had on the books and any tours that I had were canceled, moved to some of them have actually moved to late August. There are a lot of benefits that I had on the books have been moved to August and into the fall, which I'm glad because we still need to raise money, not only for Bonaparte's, but another organization that I'm involved with called Crossroads, which works with um, uh, young people that are in danger of homelessness. They work at a pet store and a grooming facility. So I'm glad that they're back on the books because, you know, we still, uh, those of us who uh, are in animal rescue or any kind of uh, 5013C, we still need the money to keep going. But just missing being out there with my band and and performing, I still love doing that. Fortunately, uh, the Grand Ole Opry, when this pandemic first started and everything had to shut down, they managed to keep the Grand Ole Opry going every weekend by having no audience, but three artists at a time doing a kind of end the round that's streamed and shown on, on local television. And Rodney Corral, Vince Gill, and I are actually going to do one on August the 1st. And I'm really excited about that. Get back in the saddle, so to speak. <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful. And, you know, being that you are such a creative force, such an amazing person in that way, have you written any songs about this time that we're living in? 
No, I haven't. I'm kind of working on a memoir. And so I'm, I'm entrenched in the past right now, which is an interesting place to be. It's and a happy actually, place to be compared to what we're uh, going through, right? Some happy, some not so happy, but I have had a very, very blessed life and extraordinary people that have helped me on my journey in this life. I really want to shine a light on those folks, especially my parents. I wrote a lot about my parents and their extraordinary meeting and romance of 50 years. They were married oh. for 50 years. And um, so there are definitely things about my life I'd like to celebrate and give thanks for. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I had the incredible pleasure of meeting your wonderful, beautiful mother. And I could see right then and there, not only the bond, but her soul, her energy, and how so much of that has been embedded into your soul and how similar the two of you were and how bonded the two of you were and always will be. Yes. I mean, she came to live with me after my father died in 1993. So we had 21 years together. She passed away in 2014. But both my parents had a deep love and respect for animals. And they just imparted that to me and my brother. And uh, that was a great gift. Well, you know, of all the celebrities and the famous people and the notables I've had the pleasure of meeting in my life, you and I really connected because it's one thing to love animals, but for the two of us, it's really our oxygen. You know, I know for me, it's the thing I think uh, immediately think of when I get up in the morning and when I go to sleep at night as I'm surrounded by my beloved, you know, rescue animals. And I just lost, and I think you met my beautiful Ruby. My dachshund, I lost her in March and I, you know, I still say I'm the proud pet parent to six rescues because she'll always be with me. Right. Uh, But it's amazing how each and every one of these animals touches you and leaves an indelible mark on your life forever. Well, it's true. And another good thing about this uh, pandemic, I found out early on that a lot of the animals in the shelters, the shelters emptied out because people all of a sudden realized they need that companionship in their solitude. And, and of course, a lot of us know that, you know, in just normal times, they are, as you say, our oxygen. They're the reason we get up in the morning. Uh, they enrich our lives so much. So I think a lot of people are realizing how much an animal can do for them, not only in this time, but when we're finally back to something, some normalcy, I'm putting that in quotes that they will continue to be a very important part of our lives. You know, it is interesting. I addressed this at this big screening I had at my house the other night because I had the Animal Rescue Fund of the Hamptons there with this 10-year-old pit bull, uh, which really, she exemplifies what's sitting in shelters across the country, the pits and the seniors. And, you know, we've talked about that. Of course, Black Dog Syndrome, which you actually told me about, and I featured in a Nashville shelter how many black animals are sitting in shelters because they don't photograph well and people can't see, you know, the details and the features. And who would have thought? that, you know, all of these situations for animals that are so wonderful, but that don't get adopted. But sadly, Emmy Lou, we were talking about this with the shelter director, as wonderful as the pandemic has been initially for rescue and for, right. shelter and for fostering, the tide is turning and a lot of these animals are getting returned. Yes, that was one thing I was afraid of. You know, they just need a little time, you know, to, to get used to their new homes. I'm hoping that these animals will get a second chance. But speaking of seniors, I mean, that's where my heart is. I, at Bonaparte's and personally, we kind of try to focus on the senior dogs. Sometimes they just need a, a trip to the vet and they're on their, you know, they're ready to rock. 
we also take animals that have, you know, surgeries, sometimes expensive surgeries. And because we're, we're small, we, we take care of that. And we've had some wonderful adoptions with the older dogs who, who need a little medical care. And then younger dogs that we have a little dog right now that's in foster that's only three years old and needs four separate surgeries. Hmm. But he is a wonderful dog. He's a little Abner. <laughs> and, uh, and he's in a wonderful, wonderful foster, and, and he's getting his surgeries now one at a time. So, you know, we try to focus on that. And because it, a dog like that will probably languish in a shelter, it's, it's a lot to ask of a person looking to adopt an animal, to adopt one that's going to right away, you know, need some medical attention. So we try to take care of that and then let them be on their way to their new home. Well, that's, of course, another reason why you and I are kindred souls and spirits, because, you know, I created the show Dog Bowl based on Puppy Bowl so that I could shine a light on older animals in need. Yes, I've seen that. And that's so wonderful because, boy, my heart just goes out to the senior dog because that's we're senior dogs ourselves. At least I am. I am, too. Long in the tooth and proud of it. (laughs) Amen. No. And, you know, what Dog Bowl and Animal Planet, we were fortunate enough to come back we're in year three going on year four. Hopefully, we don't know what's going to happen, but I will be decimated if Dog Bowl does not come back because we had dogs up to 18 years old get a home. And this was my dream and my mission because, you know, I'm all about the seniors and rescuing. And what I tell people is that have taken in older animals, they are shocked because you think, oh my goodness, it's a heartbreak waiting to happen sooner. Meanwhile, They'll take a dog eight or nine years old and they'll tell me three years later, this dog is doing great. I think it's like Dorian Gray. It's reversing. And I think it's because these animals know they were rescued in the twilight of their lives and they thrive with a loving family. They do. And I think most of the senior dogs that have in shelters that have made it that far, it's because they have been in a home and we don't know what situation, what circumstances led them to be strays or or returned and end up in a shelter, but they know how to be in a home and they know how to appreciate it. Well, Emmy Lou, what's so amazing about you? I mean, most artists and celebrities, you know, they naturally, hopefully give back. It's, you know, part of what should be part of their heart, being in the business. You've been blessed like so many with having success and a great life. And hopefully most people would understand giving back is the way to go. But what you have done for animals and with Crossroads, with young people in need, this really is so much more important than any part of your career. This is about your fiber, your soul giving back, isn't it? Well, it certainly is. And, you know, but I have found that there's so many artists that are animal lovers. I mean, I have to give a shout out to Miranda Lambert. Absolutely. You know, with Mutt Nation. I mean, what she has done, especially when there are catastrophes, uh, hurricanes and, and the such, the number of dogs that she has been able to place. And she's a youngster, you know, and she's almost still at the beginning of her career. And yet she's turned so much of her energy, her life, her art, and, you know, her finances into doing this. I I say kudos to her. And I've met a lot of uh, people. I just uh, been uh, talking to Bernadette Peters, you know, who does Broadway Bar. And in the course of getting involved with Dog Rescue, which started in 2004, not just celebrities, but I have just met so many people whose hearts are turned toward the animals, everyday heroes out there, the people in the shelters, the small shelters, we've got so many of them in Nashville now. I think Bonaparte's was one of the first small independent no-kill shelters that partnered with Metro Animal Control, where the euthanasia rate, when we started in 2004, was just terrific. 
but boy, they have really turned the corner. And sometimes we have to go to outlying counties now to find dogs, which is wonderful. I think we are evolving as a people, as human beings, toward understanding that we are responsible for these lives. It's a sacred responsibility. We are their voice. And when people realize that, it enriches their own lives. Absolutely, that you were one of the first to do it on a very big scale. I mean, to actually have this, you know, Bonaparte's retreat and to be doing it in your backyard. I mean, you really set a precedent <laughs> that really nobody was doing back then. Well, I, I knew I, I, I'm not a swimmer or a tennis player, so I wasn't <laughs> going to have a, a, you know, a tennis court or a swimming pool in my backyard. I did have a pretty big backyard. Yes, it's beautiful. But as I say, it's a, it is a small shelter. And we do try to keep it to four dogs at a time because each dog needs a lot of attention and walks and love and, and um, socializing. And so we're just not set up for that. But well, having seen it firsthand, I can tell our listeners all over the world, it is beautiful. They're big runs. You've got gorgeous green grass, big backyard, one-on-one -on -one attention with these animals. And I remember saying to you back then, Emmy, when I was at your house, I said, how do you not want to take everyone and keep forever in your home? You know, because I can't walk past a cage or a shelter. There hasn't been a dog I haven't seen that I don't want to make part of my family. But I know, you know, hopefully they get a home, but it is a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, I know. We're all potential hoarders. <laughs> you know? And so, but, but I do know that, you know, every dog that we pull and then put at Bonaparte's will eventually find a home. I mean, early on, we had a dog that, I mean, a couple of dogs that it took years, but they found their forever home. And, and each one is so incredibly important. It is a life. We become responsible for it. And it's about the best feeling in the world. As you said, it's, it's kind of the, the reason you get up in the morning. Obviously, I, I'm lucky that I'm still able to go out and play music and make a living that way because I, I still love playing music. But that has given me this other part of my life, you know, to be an animal, a dog rescuer. And um, also, I, I just for last year, I rescued a couple of old cats because my last cat had finally passed away and I went to Metro Animal Control and I just, I just said, what are the oldest cats you have here? So I got, isn't that amazing? Yeah. What a beautiful message though, to send out to our listeners. Uh, instead of going and saying, Hey, let me look at a cute cuddly kitten. You asked for the oldest animal, which is just what we need to be able to do. Well, it's true. And, and there, I love these cats and um, I love my dogs. I'm, I'm actually down to two dogs. The dog that my mother had, Ernie. <laughs> I think I, I met you, Ernie, right? You probably met Ernie and he, he just passed away last month and we're oh. all kind of very, very sad about so that. Sorry. But he gave my mother so much joy in those last years of her life. But this is, uh, we, this is what we take on. We know there's going to be heartbreak at the end, but there's always, there's heartbreak everywhere. So let's try to, uh, put as much kindness and care out into the world as we can. Such a beautiful message, Emmy. And I know that these animals have inspired your music. You've actually written songs about some of these animals, haven't you? <laughs> yes. Well, I, I wrote a song called Big Black Dog that wasn't my first dog was a big black dog. Bonaparte was a big black dog. But later on, when I started Bonaparte's Retreat, of course, I ended up adopting dogs from the rescues myself. And one of them was a an older black uh, lab mix of indeterminate age. Uh, and her name was Bella. 
And I, I wrote this song about her, but basically it was a kind of an ode to all the dogs in shelters, whether they're black or brown or brindle or white or big or small or whatever. The idea that, that they're just out there waiting for the chance to, in a way, redeem us. Unbelievable. And I remember you actually sang me a few verses for the song. I don't dare put you on the spot, but is there <laughs> one line you want to highlight? Just one uh, line for our listeners? Let's say, big black dogs, they're everywhere. Looking for a home, they're hungry and scared. All they need is love and attention. The give it back love, sometimes redemption, I swear. You could find it there in a big black dog. <laughs> oh, Emmy Lou, what a wonderful way to end this incredible interview. I adore you. You are my animal rescue soulmate. It is great to talk to you. Please let's stay in touch and bless you and stay safe. Same to you, and keep up your wonderful, wonderful work, Jill. We're all soldiers in the in the battle. <laughs> in the battle, that's right. Thank you, Emmy Lou. And coming, you. we have my wonderful partner in crime, Bill Berloni, giving tips on finding a trainer. Even though he is the ultimate trainer, you can't all get him, but he's going to tell us how to find the right one for you. Stay tuned. Oh, sure. It's all fun and games until someone ends up in a cone. That's right. We are animals. Deal with it. Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Rappaport to the Rescue. I'm Jill Rappaport, and now it's our time for Paw Partner, my Bill Berloni. Jill and Bill. The amazing Broadway trainer who takes in rescue animals, makes them superstars, and we have another wonderful topic today. You know, for those of us who are fortunate enough to have seen Bill in action, it's pretty incredible what he has done with these animals, literally taking them from the streets, turning them into superstars in the most, what I call, humane and beautiful way. He trains them in such a way that they love to perform and they love to do the right thing. I guess that's the best way I can say it, because a lot of trainers and I've seen this, we've all seen this or heard about it. It seems a little rough sometimes or a little, you know, difficult. And even for me, as the proud pet parent to so many rescues, I have trouble with training methods because I always feel, oh, am I being too stern? Am I being too strict? Am, am I frightening them by trying to teach them the right thing to do? Well, Bill has amazing tips and we are going to be sharing those tips in shows to come. We're going to be taking phone calls. But today he brought up a very interesting topic. You're not going to be able to get Bill Berloni in your home anytime soon. So how do you find the right trainer? How do you know this is the right person for your beloved fur angel? And Bill, it's such an interesting topic. And it's one people really should think about, not just go to the yellow pages, yellow pages and say, whoop, there's a trainer. He must be right. right. He or she. Correct. Correct. Well, you know, I've been doing this for 45 years and I'm so pleased to see that the shift in animal training went from purely punitive training to now a more positive way of training. It was one of the things I hoped for in my life. And now most people are using the positive ways. Personal story, when, when I was 19 years old and Annie was going to Broadway, they questioned whether I could train the dog. 
So they said, do you mind if we hire a trainer? And I said, sure, I'll learn. And it was a gentleman in New York who is an ex-military guy. The first session he did with the original Sandy, he walked down the street, turned, and when Sandy didn't look, flipped him on his back. And that would have flipped me out. It did. And, you know, he wanted me to be tough and scare the dog into submission. I left that day and went back to the producers and said, I'm sorry, if I have to do it this way, I'm not interested. And they, they took a deep breath and said, do you think you can do this? And I said, I think I can. So I've been very interested in the training techniques. And it's a mindset. It's in our bones. I mean, you know, man came along and took over this earth and dominated the seas and the air and the animals as well. You know, and, um, you know, dogs were part of that idea that you should be seen but not heard. You should do exactly what I say. And that's not why they chose to be with man. They chose to be with man because they're social creatures and, and they fit into our social structure. And um, we've heard of the most barbaric things. I mean, going back, the debarking, remember people, that was so horrific and even declawing cats. I mean, these things like so that they would be more manageable in your home or you wouldn't have to hear them. I mean, it's animal abuse. I'm sorry. Yes. You know, and back in the 90s, I started, you know, and obviously I did, I created a method where eight times a week, animal walked on stage and did behaviors and loved what it was doing. So it proved that you could do it that way. And in the 90s, more trainers started to come along. And over the last two decades, it really has refined into a much more humane thing, a training technique. Well, um, that's why I love you, Bill. You know, it really is twofold. Not only did I come to know who you were and who you are because of what you did for rescue. You know, to make these animals superstars is one thing, but you literally took animals in the ultimate need, sitting in shelters, finding them on the streets, wherever, and you made them superstars. But the way you did it, I said right from the beginning, in the most humane, gentle, loving way. And that's when I fell in love with you because I always had this idea of trainers being kind of tough just because of what I've heard and seen. And that's probably why I never used one. And I, you know, you know, I've taken a little advantage when you've been in my area. I'm always like, Bill, come on over. Can you give me a few tips? Because you do it what I consider to be the right way, but we're not going to be so fortunate to get you, you know, with your schedule, with COVID, we can't have you in our living rooms right now. So what do you recommend to people? How do we go about finding the right humane trainer for their pets? Well, and I get that question all the time, Jill. And my first response is talk to your vet, ask for a recommendation, and then talk to other dog owners in your neighborhood. Because, you know, if your neighbors are, will be much quicker to go, you know, don't use that plumber because he's <laughs> not good. But they'll all, the dog owners will say, don't use that trainer. That trainer's not good. This is the person I found. You know, so personal recommendations in your area. A couple of things you could look for there. You know, there's no certification. There's no licensing for trainers. And so everybody can just hang up a shingle and say they're a dog trainer. But again, in the last 20 years, there's been a couple associations. APDP, the um, American Professional Pet Trainers, is an association of trainers who have got together to set some standards. And they try to weed out the trainers who are inhumane. Another organization, the International Association of Canine Professionals, IACP. You know, go to these groups and see if you can find at least somebody from them, you know, in your area. And last but not least, our animals tell us everything we need to know. How many times have someone come into your home? Now, granted, there are some animals that are protective all the way around and they're not going to really love anybody who comes in. But long term, my dogs have told me who I should keep in my home, ultimately, including some fiancés, by the way. <laughs> but literally, our animals can tell us so many things. If they retreat 
or pull back or run away from somebody, that's a glaring sign that that person is NG. Right. And, you know, the next thing you're going to do once you find somebody is interview them without your dog. Okay. You wouldn't go to a hairdresser that pulled your hair. You wouldn't go to a dentist that hurt you. You wouldn't go to, but you know, people think, oh, I have to listen to a dog trainer. If you don't feel a vibe, if you don't agree with their methodology, move on. It's got to be something that makes you feel comfortable and, and in your heart. I wanted to talk about this today because I, I've run into a couple of clients who have reached out to me who have said they tried this sit means sit new training method and it didn't work and they wanted somebody else. And uh, after the second or third person, I, let me look this up. I hadn't heard of it. It is a national franchised organization that dog trainers that use electric shock collars. Oh my goodness. It's 2020 and they've gone back to the dark ages and it's a huge franchise. Um, well, that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It is. And, you know, I went through their stuff and the dogs are robotic. They have taken away all of their free will because you shock them the minute they don't listen to you. I was so appalled and I want our listeners to not use any sort of electric shock collar on your dog for training at all. It takes away their free will and we don't have the right to take away anyone's free will. Especially our beloved pets. Oh, Bill, those were all great tips. I know we wish we could all have you in our living rooms, but we now know where to find wonderful trainers. And you gave us some great advice. Again, thank you to my guest, Emmy Lou Harris. She was just amazing. And to all my listeners, please stay positive. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.